You're listening to the best of the Sergio Show on 710-KURV. Here's Sergio. Welcome back. Stephen Rath. Always love speaking with him. He's the author of the best-selling book, The Founders, Speech to a Nation in Crisis. Steve, welcome back to the Sergio Show. Good morning, Sergio. How are you? Good, brother. Okay, so Donald Trump wants to be president again. What do you think? He just can't get enough. He can't get enough. Well, I think, I mean, it's not a surprise to any of us. He he is, if nothing, relentless, right? And that's one of the things we love about him is that he has no give up in him. He focuses. When he says he's going to do it, he does it. He did that as president. We talk about what what is character. Character is you tell someone you're going to do this thing, and then you do that thing. Well, that's what Donald Trump did. And so we, we have to say, yes, he's brought so much. He's done so much. On the downside, Trump doesn't have an off button at times. He doesn't have a filter. You know, he, he, he just goes and goes, right? And so uh-huh. sometimes you just cringe a little bit. You're like, ah, that was, you know, that, you're going lot. after your own now. You're going after the Republicans. And yeah. so, so, you know, Trump's a mixed bag. But, but uh, my gosh, if he's our nominee and he's the one standing up for the defense of liberty, then, uh, then I'm all in. And we're all in as patriots. I'm, I'm glad we have a choice, though. I'm glad we have a, two fighters, DeSantis on one side, Trump on the other. It's going to be one of the fighters that, that uh, is fighting for us, and yeah. uh, we just have to pick which one we think is actually have a chance to win this thing. And it should be an interesting nomination process between here and you know early 24 when we have to finally make a decision on who's going to be representing the party running for president. There are more names that uh, Mike Pence, for example, he might be running. There's other people that might be throwing their hat into the ring. I, I know the former... Uh, uh, Mike Pompeo, uh, he said it doesn't matter if right. Trump is right. He's going to go in there. So we need these conversations, which is good. The only problem is uh, I'm afraid that uh, pre- former President Trump, being Donald Trump, being who he is, he has no filter, uh, he might be giving maybe some ammunition to his enemies and taking down the party's effort to get a good nominee uh, on the way there. Just want to get your thoughts on that. Well, I mean, I, you know, it's a very different time in 2016. It's hard to see how the approach he had in 16, which th- there was a clear establishment and seven or eight establishment candidates. And then here comes the Lone Ranger Trump in that is going to fight the establishment. So when he came after him with attacks and so on, there was a lot of cheering because they were tired of the milk toast, tired of the Romneys, tired of. So that, cause that, but that was 16. Now we're in 24. And, and there's multiple fighters, and everyone is kind of leaning forward into this and, and, and is, is, is going to have a very different tone. And Trump's assault on his own party and, and fellow Republicans is not going to be taken the same way as it was in 16. It's not going to, it's not going to land as well, and uh, he's going to learn that the hard way if he continues to just go after – if he goes, does this Ron DeSanctimonious type stuff – that's going to fall on deaf ears. It's going to do more harm to Trump than good, and, and he's going to have to figure out another way. Yeah. His, best, his best way is to do what he did last night, which is to paint a big vision for who we are as Americans and be the one on the stage with the best vision that makes you want to follow him and believe him in him, not the one who throws the hardest punches at fellow Republican. Author of The Founder's Speech to a Nation in Crisis, Stephen Rabb is my guest. We're talking about Donald Trump announcing he's running for president again. But the the easiest bet, Steve, the easiest bet would be that Donald Trump will not stick to those winning talking points 
and he's going to be Donald Trump in his childish nature and just start calling names and especially if he starts right. losing some some of these primaries do you think cuz i do if and when he does lose the nomination and he likely stands to lose it if Ron DeSantis continues to be the darling, if Mike Pompeo and, more importantly, Vice President, former Vice President Mike Pence go after him on some of his behavior, uh, focus on America first, the great ideas that he brought to the table, uh, revealing the swamp, revealing the fake media, all that stuff, focus on that, and, and of course, try to distance him. And he will just react like in his nature. It is his nature. He cannot change his stripes. Uh, do you think he goes third-party to try to ruin the effort Republicans taking back the White House. Well, that would, I mean, that would be the ultimate destructive move for him. And if he did that, it would confirm the fact that he shouldn't have received the nomination. And so uh, that would, if you say as a conservative that our true battle here, the ocean of difference between one side and the other is not between one Republican and another Republican. The ocean of difference is between those on the left who seek to destroy this country. And if you truly believe, they, as I do, that they seek to destroy this country, they don't care about the founding ethos, they are on the 1619 plan, not on the 1776 plan. If, if, if you believe that as I do, then you have to realize who the enemy is. And if Trump helps the left by running third party and bringing down patriots who care about this country, uh, then, then he has lost sight of what this is actually about. It's not about him. It's not about even his followers. It is about all patriots, everyone who cares yeah. about the American ethos, and all of us who want to defend that, this country. And, uh, and for us to give that over to the left out of ego and spite yeah. is, uh, well, that, well it's, 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 it, would, it would destroy us. It would destroy us. That, that would be the ultimate test. And and yeah. at the very end, pretty much that would write forever in a day, uh, write his legacy in American politics as the spoiler. Mm -hmm. And not only somebody who brought great ideas, but and I hope it doesn't get to that. But we know how powerful his ego is, and when he's hurt, he's like a wounded animal. You just don't don't know who's who's going to lash out at. Now I know I'm, it seems like I'm talking a lot of best about Donald. It, it, it is who, he is who he is. <laughs> it is what it is. And, and I love the dude. I, I love right. him. I and I tell you what, if if he gets a nomination and he proves himself, and you know he's matured enough now, politically speaking, where he doesn't bring in his you know boardroom business tactics and starts attacking people, and decides he wants to be the leader of America again and think America first. Um, believe me, if he gets a nomination, he because that, that's what it's going to take for him to win the nomination. If he, if he gets, I'm there for him, 100. percent I just I want. Uh, the vetting process between now and then. And, of course, Ron DeSantis looks really, really good right now. And, um, you know, because he, he brings, I think Ron brings all the ideas of America first and leadership and plus the discipline brings that with him. And did you see that? Did you happen to see the Re Texas Republican Party poll done just a few days back? They revealed it uh, this week, like 46 percent, 44, 46 percent. Uh, they, I saw that. Right? They want Ron DeSantis. Only 32% want Donald Trump. And th that's, that's right. That's parroting other polls nationwide. I think everything is in his favor right now as far as Ron DeSantis. Well, that's right. And I, I think he's going to, it's going to stay that way because I think, I agree with your earlier statement, Trump 
is not capable of the disciplined messaging approach that he needs. He's going to be in, now he's in campaign mode again. He's going to be free form. He's going to be at rallies. And then it's just stream of consciousness. And it's back on the 2020 election. And it's back on name calling. And it's, and it's small, petty stuff. And that's the stuff that does not serve him well. Uh, we appreciate his time. Stephen Rabb, author of The Founder's Speech to a Nation in Crisis. This is The Sergio Show. I'm bringing in health expert Dr. Eric Naputi, about, and we're going to talk about the flu season. There was a write-up that I saw, Dr. Naputi, that spurred the call that said that if you get the flu vaccine too early in the season, um, you might get the flu towards the end because the flu mutates. And then an argument for maybe getting a booster shot later on for the, the flu vaccine. You know, that makes no sense to me. So, because if it if it mutates, then what what good is the original uh, vaccine? Do you understand where I'm going with this? I understand what you're saying completely, and and I will tell you that that you're I believe that you're spot on, and and a lot of my colleagues have uh, you know different takes on this situation. Uh, look, the reality is this: is whether you get a flu shot or you get infected naturally. You know, it's all about the function and health of your immune system. Yeah. You know, many of my colleagues uh, feel that if you get a flu shot too early, that it could wear off. Uh, we agree 100% that flus are RNA viruses. They mutate rapidly. So the reality is this. It's not just getting the shot that can help protect people. It, it's, it's boosting your immune system. It's making sure that you're doing the right healthy, uh, you know, preventative measures of washing your hands, taking your vitamins, staying home if you're sick. Uh, but the boosters, just so you know, booster shots really are only currently available and recommended for, you know, young children. And even then, it's not always recommended by pediatricians. So you're spot on 100%. What if you had the flu already? You got it. Like my kids, for example. You know how that, that, that was a big wave here in South Texas and in Texas? At the beginning, it looked like it, it started early. What if they, they got it already? They got natural immunity? They're good, right? They don't need the flu shot, right? Well, what, what we do in our practice, this is very straightforward and simple. If you've had the flu, we test you for titers for the flu. And if you have that, you're immune and you do not need a flu shot. There's no point in getting a, a flu vaccination if you've already been exposed and are immune to it. However, the problem is this. Whether you, like I said before, whether you get the vaccine uh, and develop antibodies or you get the flu and develop antibodies, your body's immune system needs certain nutrients like i don't know if you know this but if you're deficient in vitamin d for example mm -hmm. your body has a harder time making antibodies which are the memory cells that remember how to fight off flus colds and sicknesses to begin with so it's important to get adequate levels of vitamin d3 adequate levels of zinc adequate levels of vitamin c wash your hands use common sense measures and don't just rely on getting a vaccination what is the level of vitamin D, D3, as far as you know, the international unit, what level should it be in the body or maybe a more understandable number if you're taking the D3 supplement, which, which I do, and I love talking about stuff like this. International units, how much should be, let's say, a 20-year-old who's 180 pounds, standard size male, and it's almost six feet tall, how much uh, of those international units, the IUs, should that man be swallowing? Daily. Well, first of all, we, we know that the average adult human being uses around 5,000 international units a day. 
uses that much. So if we want to boost that level up, we've got to take north of 5,000 IUs a day. Right. In our practices, we recommend between 5,000 and 10,000 units a day, but we also recommend getting your blood tested. What we do know is if your adequate levels are above a 50 on a blood test, between a 50 and a 100, that you typically have optimal levels of vitamin D and therefore going to have optimal utilization of your innate and adaptive immune system. You need to take it uh, after you eat, right? Because it's fat-soluble, the D3? It, it is. We typically recommend taking it with the meal, uh, and it's one of those that you really need to take every day. Your body, unfortunately, doesn't make that much vitamin D during flu and cold season. We're just not outside uh, to get exposure to those UV rays that uh, help our body through our liver produce uh, those important nutrients. So supplementing it every day. In addition to vitamin D3, we typically recommend between 20 and 40 milligrams a day of zinc gluconate for most of our patients. Very safe supplement to take. Uh, not only does zinc help with the immune system, but we know that it also keeps viral load down, which if you remember, viral load means if there's multiplication of the virus in your body, the higher the load is, the more the symptoms you have and and the more contagious you could potentially be. Okay. So we also recommend D3, zinc, and vitamin C for most of our patients. And uh, this uh, for parents out there, you got a 10-year-old kid, maybe slightly younger, slightly older. Uh, the, how do we get that zinc into these kids that, you know, they got s sniffles and maybe a cold or RSV or something like that? Lollies, uh, lozenges that are zinc fortified, is that any good? Yeah, th those are great. I mean, obviously a balanced diet, eating, you know, real foods, real fruits and vegetables, good, lean, healthy, clean meats. Those are good ways to get those nutrients in. But yes, there are uh, child-specific formulations that are out there that are, that are safe for everybody to have, all things in moderation, including moderation. But, but you definitely want to not just rely on just getting a shot or getting infected. You want to do everything you can to stack the deck in your favor. So, you know, we know that flu and cold season is the time of year that we don't get much sunlight. We don't have much activity. Uh, we eat way too much junk food. And by the way, sugar competes for vitamin absorptions in your body. And we're wow. under a lot of stress. So, <laughs> you know, help yourself. Get outside. Uh, get 10 to 15 minutes a day of exercise. Lay off the sugary junk foods and, and do what you can to minimize your stress. And take vitamin D, zinc, and C. Those are always good uh, things to do during flu and cold season. <laughs> Dr. Eric Naputi, my guest right now. You're asking for the impossible about to, like a Thanksgiving and Christmas. It's here already. All those pies, all those desserts. It, it's so hard to say no. But okay, we'll try to fortify more, more vitamin C and, and zinc. All right, Doc. Thanks uh, for all the great advice. Always love speaking with you. That's Dr. Eric Naputi on the show. This is the Sergio Show. You're always on the go. Obviously pretty busy. Busy with work. Picking up my kids from school. From work to kids to running errands. Your entire day is a hands-on, never-ending frenzy of activity. Luckily, getting the news is now voice activated. Just say, Alexa, play 710-KURB. I'd like to know what's going on in my world. I gotta know what's going on in my city. Putting the smart in your smart speaker. I'm getting my news from you and my information. For the latest news and to find out what's happening in rich, clear audio. Just say, Alexa, play 710 KURB. You're listening to the best of the Sergio Show. Here's Sergio. 
author of Ask the Astronaut. I always love speaking with Dr. Tom Jones, NASA astronaut. I always learn something new with him. Appreciate your time today, Dr. Jones. So Artemis 1, off and running, headed to the moon. We'll be back in about three weeks. Got some, I guess, telemetry dummies aboard. Artemis 2, though, I don't know when that's supposed to take off, but Artemis 2, that's supposed to have people aboard. Do they get to land on the moon on Artemis 2, or are they just going to circle the moon like Artemis 1? Do you know? Yes. Well, Artemis 2, Sergio, is the next mission up in about two years, probably in the fall of uh, 2024. And it will take an Orion craft around the moon with a crew of four. And so it's the first time astronauts will return to the lunar vicinity and go around the moon since 1972 on Apollo 17. So they won't go into lunar orbit and circle the, the moon. Instead, they'll swing around behind it, do a big loop-to-loop trajectory, and then be uh, slingshotted back towards Earth. The mission's going to last a little over a week, about 10 days, I think. Why don't we land, Dr. Jones? I mean, we're there already. Yeah, well, when you're out that far, you'd like to make the most of the experience. But the lander is not ready. NASA has contracted with SpaceX, that's Elon Musk's company, and their Starship uh, orbital craft to be adapted into a lunar lander. So uh, SpaceX has to show up with the lander and its testing program over the next couple of years. And maybe by 2025 or six, that lander can link up with an Orion spacecraft near the moon, and then we can do the lunar return on on Artemis three. That's the plan right now. So it seems that we are, um, it looks to me like we're maybe a little bit behind, but seems mostly on schedule, uh, at least to send people to the lunar vicinity in 2024, right? We're kind of on schedule, right? Okay, big picture. If I was talking to you in 2012, we'd hope to be back on the moon by 2020. Uh, so okay. we're <laughs> behind that big picture plan that first uh, was proposed in 2012 or so. But we're 10 years later now, okay. and the rocket development, the space launch system that we saw take off early Wednesday morning, uh, it's it was behind schedule. Orion was, I think Orion was ready, the, the crew capsule. It had one test flight back in 2014, and that's been waiting for the big rocket to come along. So now we're starting to put the pieces together and close on a schedule that everybody understands. So a couple of year interval to assess what we're learning this month from Artemis One, two years to mature that uh, rocket's performance and the Orion craft, put those together, send a crew around the uh, moon, and now we have practice with mission control, controlling a spacecraft with humans aboard at lunar distance. And then you add the next element, which is the the, the well-tested lander that I hope we'll see in the next two, All three right. years. Author of Ask the Astronaut, Real Astronaut from NASA, Dr. Tom Jones. A moon base is the, after we get all that and we travel and land, a moon base is the objective. How big might it be? Uh, what will it do? Will it, what will that moon base provide? Because I think that's the springboard to Mars, right? You're right. We, we want to practice living on another world, and the moon is the, the place uh, that's close by where we can live on another planet, harvest its resources, the water at the south and north poles of the moon. I think we'll start at the south pole with a little lunar outpost, a lot like the Antarctic outposts we have at the south pole here on Earth. So you're talking now 2030 or later before we start to have a permanent uh, settlement on the moon with our European and Japanese and Canadian partners participating in that. They, They call it a lunar village. And the objective there will be not only to do scientific exploration of the lunar south pole, but also with the commercial sector, set up lunar uh, ice refining. So we'll melt the ice, turn it into water, that's drinking water. If you break it into oxygen and hydrogen, now you have rocket fuel. So that lunar logistics base at the South Pole will be where we practice 
how to recover resources on the moon, on Mars, and that will lead to a, a less expensive expedition eventually to Mars. Can you imagine? I'm already thinking ahead and selling some sponsorships for this thing. Can you imagine a sponsorship right for the Moon Village to set up the first uh, McDonald's or Burger King or Starbucks or something like that, and and be able to send pictures back? Hey, we're we're on the moon. We got a restaurant for all the international folks that are setting up shop. Yeah, well, you right. remember the movie 2001: A Space Odyssey? They had a, a Hilton Hotel in orbit, and they had a Pan Am space shuttle. So, you know, this is—we're <laughs> only about 60 years too late for that movie, but it's actually going to become a reality. And you know, the exciting thing to me is that you know you have companies like Toyota and General Motors uh, partnering up with aerospace companies to be able to build lunar rovers to you know give the astronauts mobility oh, on the moon. Cool. So, yes, the commercial <laughs> partnerships are going to be all important to this. NASA can't do it all on so. Yeah. Well. Good to hear that there will be plenty of funding, ancillary funding for all this. Dr. Tom Jones, author of Ask the Astronaut, NASA Astronaut, Dr. Tom Jones is my guest. Two things I want to ask you real quick before I let you go. We talk about this um, every time you and I hook up. Radiation shielding. What advances do you know have been made to protect the astronauts on the trip to Mars? And then I saw this other article. You probably saw it as well a few days back new propulsion systems being developed, some that are light-based, like shoot a light on some panel and just kick the vehicle forward, or maybe nuclear-based um, type of um, propulsion system to get us to Mars faster and avoid all that radiation. What do you know in advances for those two different systems? Okay, radiation is a serious problem. Uh, you know, a seven- or six-month exposure on the way to Mars would put you over your career limit. Uh, that we currently have in place for astronauts. So we've got to come up with better shielding. You can't make the spacecraft too heavy to block radiation because then it becomes too expensive to actually fly. So you've got to come up with something more innovative. A good shielding material is water or even better liquid hydrogen. So if you wrap the crew compartment with your propellant tanks, that would slow down and stop a lot of the energetic cosmic rays and solar radiation. So that might be one way to package the spacecraft with its fuel propellant and water water supply tanks wrapped around the crew compartment. Uh, NASA on this mission has some mannequins instrumented to measure the radiation effects uh, around the moon. And we've also tested on the space station uh, astronauts wearing vests and overalls, uh, coveralls made of um, a a light plastic material, which again is a good absorbent of radiation, but it's not a full protective uh, effect. So I think the best way to solve the problem is to get to Mars faster, and that's what you alluded to. If we can develop in this next 10 to 20 years nuclear reactors in space that can then heat rocket fuel, throw it out the nozzle of the engine, we can get to Mars in half the time, and that cuts the radiation exposure issue in half. Okay, and we're making advances in those fields, right? It's happening. NASA, I think, with the Department of Energy is developing space-based nuclear reactors, first to provide power on the lunar surface to that lunar village, so you have 24-7 electricity. And then that uh, reactor can be scaled up to heat propellant in a, in a what's called a nuclear thermal rocket engine. Where do, the, where do folks find you online, Dr. Jones? Oh, it's astronauttomjones.com. And check out my books like Skywalking, my astronaut memoir. Always good stocking stuffers, people. Keep that in mind. Thank you, Dr. Jones. We'll talk soon. You <laughs> okay. take care. Thank you, Sergio. Bye-bye. Yes, sir. This is The Sergio Show.
Start your day with news and interviews important to you with the Valley's morning news. Weekday morning starting at 6. Sergio Sanchez and Tim Sullivan bring you the latest headlines and hourly discussions with AccuWeather to get you ready for your day and special guest interviews on topics that affect you and your family. Good morning. Good morning, gentlemen. Good morning, guys. We're letting you enjoy the show. It's what you need to start your day. The Valley's morning news with Sergio Sanchez and Tim Sullivan. Weekday morning starting at 6 on News Talk 710 KURV. You're listening to the best of the Sergio Show. Here's Sergio. With Elon Musk taking over Twitter and firing people left and right, does that diminish the product? Does that expose you to identity theft? I don't know. I'm still on Twitter. I like to be more active on Twitter. I see a bunch of stupid people, you know, celebs and people they think they're famous. Actually, I've been surprised. Some of the people announcing that they're getting, they're closing their accounts on Twitter. Frankly, I'm surprised they're still alive. Really? That person's still alive? Oh, I don't even remember what TV show, that movie. Uh, they think they're making an impact. Either way. Let's talk about the important stuff, though. Going, hopping aboard Twitter. And is, is maybe uh, Elon Musk cutting a little too deep, maybe down to the bone? Chief of Marketing over at Truefort is Matthew Hathaway. Appreciate your time, Matt. Tell people what Truefort is, Matt. Yeah, TrueFort is a uh, it's a protection solution for your application environments, uh, basically separating the highly valuable data from the heavily trafficked areas like that your customers visit. So do you think that Elon Musk, now boss over Twitter, which I'm a big fan, he's shaking things up, but has he perhaps fired a few too many people that now customers over Twitter might be exposed to privacy issues, privacy violation, maybe some, some fraud as well? What do you think? Well, there's no way to guarantee either way. Uh, however, you know, a, a big part of information security for any company is the people and with the amount of people that have publicly left um, in the security department, um, there's definitely a, a hot, much much higher risk in the next couple of weeks to months um, of some sort of cyber attack. I wouldn't be too worried as a consumer. Um, probably the worst thing that they would be able to get is your location, which still is not great, <laughs> but they won't be able to get a lot of your personal information as <laughs> you're probably not tweeting that out. Okay. Um, you believe Elon Musk can pull this off, do more with less and perhaps more intelligent, more productive staff? He convinced somebody that he could. When they approve the purchase, um, he's got his model that he's trying to uh, to prove out. But it's already it's already impacted a few businesses that sponsor and ads on on Twitter um, have decided to to stop doing so because basically somebody was able to impersonate that organization on Twitter okay. and, and say things that weren't true. All right, from True Fort, he's a chief of marketing. Uh, Matthew Hathaway is an expert in, in cyber issues. If you were running Twitter. Like, what would you do to make it profitable, Matt? I don't know that I'm the right person to comment <laughs> on that. Okay. But, um, I certainly would try and make sure that um, I had a full security team on board and uh, the people to make sure that that attacks aren't going to going to be easier and easier on on you know various Twitter. Surely accounts. he must have. I mean, he still has thousands of employees. Surely he still must 
have the, the right security team for this or maybe bring in people from his other businesses, either Boring or SpaceX or anything else, you know, Tesla. I'm sure he's got some brainiacs there that can help protect Twitter. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure there are, there are still security people on staff, but with a shakeup of, of the leadership, uh, security leadership team leaving, um, it, they might be in kind of a state of flux and, and confusion at, at this point. It doesn't mean that he doesn't still have the people that need to get it done. I just think the next few weeks are going to be a little challenging for them in that regard. You know, just as a as a consumer and a fan and a radio guy far, far away, I've been talking with my producer here and just friends and the studio. All the rage these days is as that Communist Party, Chinese Communist Party-owned TikTok thing, YouTube making money hand over fist as well, videos, people sharing videos, people loving to produce something comedic or thought-provoking and just becoming famous as an influencer. All these videos. I think there's a market there. If he were to, for example, I think if he were to, Elon Musk, were to offer twice as much or three times as much for content, saying, come on over from YouTube, come on over from TikTok, stop giving your money and make a big stink of it. Stop giving your money to the Chicoms. Look what they do to the Uyghurs. Stop giving these. Come on over. I'll pay you twice as much for original content. Boom. I think that would that would be a big step forward for him making money, don't you think? I mean, if if he's going to pay influencers more than they're making elsewhere, I, I don't see why they wouldn't. I, I doubt they're picky about where where it's coming from. If you know, it's it's really about getting famous and getting followers. Because I, I don't know what the pricing structure is, but you know, it's like you need to have like a million eyeballs and something that you float yeah, out there. Yeah, I think it's right. I think it's. I think it's typically from from the businesses that you you know show on on your your channel. So it might be a new model for him to. That's the that's the low hanging fruit, man. Yeah, I'm definitely not an expert in that area. Well, that's that's what I see as a low hanging fruit. That's where they make all the money. You got all these eyeballs. You're able to do the advertising on it. You get you know you get you're monetizing what you're doing. I think that's that's the low hanging fruit. All the other stuff like new technology. Maybe a Twitter phone or, or something like that. Uh, that's still far in, uh, in the future. All right, so Twitter is safe. I think it is. What do you think? Like, stay there. I think it's going to be it's going to be rocky for a little bit, but I'm sure they'll they'll rehire the, the team they need. You didn't close your Twitter account, did you? I haven't yet. No, <laughs> yeah. I also have. Yeah, I make sure to store no sensitive data there. Okay. I have two-factor authentication. I follow everything to, uh, even if somebody stole my account, nobody's going to follow me <laughs> and read it. 10-4. Hey, Matt, thanks for your time, brother. Appreciate you. We'll, we'll call you again. From True Fort is a cyber expert, Matthew Hathaway. This is the Sergio Show. Turkey Day, a bit more expensive this year, say some economists. Tiny J Powers joining us from Fox News up in New York City. So how much more expensive this year compared to last one, Tony? Well, according to the federal government, food prices are going to be up about 95 to 10.5% this year. Uh, historically, they've only gone up about 2% uh, annually. We already knew that food was costing more. That's not news. Um, as far as how much this is going to be affected for, for Thanksgiving, it's not just higher food prices. Um, obviously that's, that's part of what's, you know, putting a dent in being able to, you know, get your Thanksgiving menu planned. Uh, wholesale turkey prices are at record highs. 
um, because it's been a really it's been a it's not been a great year for U.S. turkey flocks. Um, there has been a deadly strain of avian flu, uh, which was actually reported several months ago in February on a turkey farm in Indiana. That's wiped out about 49, 49 million turkeys and other it's poultry crazy. in forty six states, yeah. according to the CDC. So that's one of the reasons that. Um, some estimates put the U.S. turkey supplies at uh, the lowest level since about 1986. Yeah. So, you know, that also, if you think about that, avian flu would also affect egg prices. Um, so yes. those have been, the price of eggs has gone up. Um, they would have even been higher without the avian flu because of the soybean and the cornmeal that's used for chicken feed. Um, Ukraine is also a, usually a major exporter of corn. The, of course, that supply has 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 been a loss that has caused you know prices to go up around the around the globe. Actually, um, when you're talking about the side items, um, canned pumpkin is up. A 30 ounce can of canned pumpkin is up about 17 percent from last year. Um, a five pound bag of russet potatoes is up about 45 and a half percent. Yeah, that's crazy. Over a year ago, that's it's, crazy. I know it's about 326 a, um, yeah. for a, a bag of russet potatoes. It's about five pounds. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's several things. Some things yeah. are not as expensive uh, or, or not significantly more expensive. Cranberries had a good harvest. Green beans are up just like maybe two cents more a pound. Yeah. Um, some stores are actually putting turkeys and things like that. Uh, on discount, hoping that, you know, they'll get you into the store so you'll buy other stuff. Walmart, yeah, yeah. uh, promising that turkey is selling less than a dollar a pound. Um, Kroger and Legal have also cut some prices. So, you know, that's, that's potentially helpful there. Aldi says it's rolling back its prices to 2019 levels. Yeah. So hopefully, um, some of those things will help us when we're getting our, our Thanksgiving last minute stuff this weekend. Yeah. The potatoes and you started with the potatoes. You forgot the butter and the cheese to make the, you know, the deluxe mashed potatoes. And those two, suckers, those two are also real expensive. Butter and cheese, anything dairy, much more expensive this year compared to last. For us here in South Texas, uh, all the corn-based ingredients for our tamales, that stuff's real expensive as well. To the point, I don't know if you saw that report yesterday that said that a couple of days back said it's just probably cheaper. For you to go eat out, it's like go order a, a Thanksgiving meal somewhere, or just take the family out to some restaurant that's open up on Thanksgiving. That's cheaper. That, that was some federal agency that said that's a little cheaper compared to all the grocery stuff that went up big time over the past uh, the past year. So, what are you doing for Thanksgiving? Have you thought it's about a week away? What are you doing? You gonna stay in New York? Well, I oh yeah, um, I always cover the Macy's Thanksgiving. Oh, of course. <laughs> Um, because it, it literally comes right by, uh, the box building. It comes down Sixth Avenue. Yeah. Um, so I've got probably the best seat <laughs> I could you know? possibly get. Bagels and coffee for Thanksgiving <laughs> for Tanya. Exactly. Yeah. I go cover the parade every year. And then after that, uh, you know, make Thanksgiving dinner for, for our family. And yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's pretty much what I do. All right. Stay warm. See, Tiny J Powers from New York for Fox yeah. News. This is the Sergio Show.
News Talk 710 KURV. When news breaks, we break in. Break in. Breaking news. Stay alert and listen to the weather forecast. We need to be aware and alert to what's going on. Breaking news means it's happening now. And we mean now. Breaking news underway right now. Breaking news on News Talk 710 KURV means we're bringing you the news as it happens. We have an In this particular instance, we are in receipt of information. When news breaks, we'll break in. Count on News Talk 710 KURV. You're listening to the best of the Sergio Show. Here's Sergio. Author of Travel Balance. He is an expert, um, public speaker, trainer, author, and he wants to keep professionals who travel healthy. John Ayo is my guest. So this holiday weekend, Lots of people headed to places that are hot spots for the flu. So have you had a chance to check the map, John, to see what areas are right now dealing and grappling with flu cases and tell people to stay safe? I've noticed a little bit. Uh, I haven't looked, studied it a bunch, but I have seen a few uh, blips on the, uh, the maps for sure in the northeast, it looks like. I think that if you take the right amount of supplements, though, vitamin C, zinc, D3, things like that, before you travel and as you travel, you should be okay during this travel season, right? Yeah, that's one of the best things to do. I mean, you know, there's obviously the, you know, washing your hands and not touching your eyes and your, your nose hmm. and getting, that's how we get uh, a lot of infections. But, you know, one of the biggest things, Sergio, that I, that I would want people to understand is that sugar season, you know, flu season happens to coincide with around Halloween, Thanksgiving, the holidays, a lot of sugar. So if you would avoid sugar, and actually add dairy and wheat to that or just minimize those things, that'll help your immune system uh, a great deal. Is there a way to blunt the intake of sugar? Let, let's say, I don't know, you, I, I had it, but I needed it. I, I ate the whole thing, the, the whole big slice of cake that I got. Can I, <laughs> can I drink like lots of water <laughs> to flush it out of my system? I wish it worked that way. The better the better plan is before when you see the big piece of cake that you love is to just have a bite instead of the whole or half a cake, right? <laughs> so a little bit of prevention. That's why we're talking, right? Is the yeah. prevention stuff. When you go to the Thanksgiving dinner and you see the pie that you love, I mean, you don't want to you know, not eat those things. Okay. Just eat less of them and try and, like you said, drink what? water. And, of course, uh, you know, supplements are a big deal, and vitamin D is probably one of the biggest ones. Um, you know, you want your vitamin D levels in the 60 to 80 range from a blood test. Yeah. And most people are really, really low. And uh, it's tough because, you know, we don't see as much of the sun this time of year. What is the role of sugar? And, you know, when it comes to all these pathogens and exposing yourself and risking a, a, a strong infection, what is the role of sugar in all these? Sugar knocks down your immune system dramatically. So if you drink like a half a can of soda, it'll knock down your immune system by about 50% for eight hours. So if you were fighting something off and you eat sugar, drink sugar, it just, it's like putting gas on the fire. So that's, it, it feeds the pathogens. That's okay. what they really, really like. So as you so speak, no yeah, as you speak to business travelers and this is what you do for a living and you try to keep them healthy and You'll have to explain this traditional naturopath, um, you know, conversation that you engage in. But what else do you take? Tell them these business travelers uh, all year round mm -hmm. uh, what they need to do to stay healthy when they get on the plane and touch services and go to markets that are, you know, dealing with certain specific 
blooms of pathogens. Exactly. Well, the theme of the whole book is really in stress reduction. The more your stress goes up, the more your okay. immune system goes down. So everything I talk about, and this is based on me traveling to over 26 countries when I worked for IBM. Uh, so I lived it. I went through all the sickness. And one of the biggest things is how do I reduce stressors? So when I get on the plane, putting on noise-canceling headphones and listening to music to calm me down, um, when you're in hotels, how do you make the hotel room homey enough so that you can sleep at night? Because you got to have that sleep part going in, right? Uh, of course, the foods that we've been talking about and avoiding the sugars and the berries and the wheat, especially when you're not sick. I'll tell you one of the, the secrets that I think is really important for business travelers. A lot of times they'll get somewhere and they'll be like, oh, my God, I'm starting to feel a sore throat or starting yeah. to feel sick. And they're like, I didn't bring any supplements. Yeah. One of the secrets you can do is go to the restaurant and get a clove of garlic. And, yeah, you're not going to be popular, but if you <laughs> chew on, suck on that clove of garlic. <laughs> I know that sounds really? Funny, wait, 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 wait. Get a clove of garlic and suck on that sucker? Well, that sounds very unpleasant. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or eat. It wasn't, it's better than being sick. Well, that's, that's true. Sure. That's <laughs> so, true. yeah, chewing on that, sucking on, very, very antimicrobial garlic. Really? Yeah, that works? Oh, so, okay, so that would work against what? Uh, bacteria or viruses? All things. Every, All things. Really? It's very antimicrobial, and it helps boost your immune system. Well. Just garlic. And that's back to your earlier comment, question about naturopaths. Our, our belief is that the body knows how to heal itself if we'll give it yeah. what it needs and take away the things that are hurting it. And so a lot of good stuff in nature and most of the uh, uh, prescription drugs that we have came from something in nature. Well, that's uh, okay. I'll have to try that. Someday. I don't know when, but I'll have to try that someday. Uh, maybe I'll extend <laughs> well, that's an emergency, right? Yeah. If you, if you get the stuff I tell you ahead of time, then you won't need that because you'll take it like you talked about, taking yeah. the D and the zinc and echinacea, things like that, to help boost your immune system. So we want to help our immune system uh, and boost it along and take away the things that are hurting it, and sugar is probably the number one thing. John Ayo, uh, author of Travel Balance, he's an expert in natural uh, natural therapies to keep your body healthy and talks to business people all year round and how to stay healthy when they travel. I was going to, you mentioned a second and chewing on, on a clove of garlic, okay. I was going to ask you about some of those uh, zinc-based swabs that you stick up your nose or down your throat. Uh, I was going to ask you if, if you've tried those or you recommend those supplements when you first feel something. I haven't done something. anything like that. I haven't done anything. I'm not a big fan of sticking things up my nose. And, <laughs> <laughs> you know, the zinc supplements are plenty, but the key when you get those things, you got to look at the package. Because if they're like in lozenges form, then they're probably going to have some sugar in there, and okay. then you're defeating the purpose. So yeah. if you're going to get zinc, I'd prefer getting a natural, natural zinc supplement that just has zinc in it, right? Okay. And so there are different forms available for that. What's the best way to absorb it? I mean, through food, uh, uh, non-sugary-based lozenges, uh, zinc? Because I know it's powerful in, in defeating all this crud that you ingest. Um, it's very yeah. yeah, very antiviral. It basically kind of coats the outside of the cell so it won't okay. let the viruses in. Okay, so what's the fastest way to get it? A, a big juicy steak or, uh, you know, a non-sugary uh, lollipop full yeah. of zinc? Well, you could. You could do that, but supplements are the way to do it. That's probably the easiest thing. Okay, we certainly get it through our food, but it's easier just to just take supplements every day. All right. You don't need to take a lot. Yeah. And, and, uh, and you really shouldn't take a lot either, right? Right, John? You really shouldn't take too much zinc. No, you shouldn't take too much, no, because those things, uh, it works in the body. You know, zinc it balances out other um, receptor sites and cells, and it can balance out other things that you well, want 
have in your body. Too. Begs the question then. Balance, it begs begs the question. Standard size man, uh, let's say you know six feet tall, two hundred pounds. How much zinc should that individual swallow at the first sign of you know throat infection and things like that? Well, the key is to do it before the infection, right? So do it now. Okay. But maybe 10, 10 to 10 milligrams, something like that. Daily? That's what it is? Yeah. Okay. Daily, five Check the label. Somewhere in there, 10 milligrams or so a day. Just do that. And, uh, and take again, preventively is the key for all of this. You don't take the vitamin D when you're feeling bad. You take it now to keep your yeah. vitamin D levels up. And I okay. highly recommend people get that tested. Every time, anytime you do a blood test, ask for that vitamin D level. That's the only way to know. And most people are just really, really deficient in vitamin D because we're just not in the sun much and we're not getting it from there uh, and or from our food, depending on what you're eating. So vitamin D supplements, really important to get that right. number up. I'm a, I'm a big fan of that. I've been doing the whole COVID season up to now. Thank you, John. It's a pleasure speaking with you. You have a wonderful, safe holiday. Author of Travel Balance, John Ayo. This is The Sergio Show.